You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. We are getting you ready for the Seahawks-Giants matchup on Sunday, and we get to welcome John Boyle back to the podcast. Hey, John. Hi, Jen. Good to be back. It's nice to have you back. Congratulations to you and your wife, and uh, you've got a new baby girl in the house. We sure do. We got three girls now. I'm very outnumbered here in the Boyle household, but it's we're doing great. Everybody's having fun. Not sleeping great, but you know, things are good. And is it completely crazy or is this just what you consider normal now? I think it's just the new normal now. I mean, I think when you already have two kids, you have an idea of the craziness. So you have to know adding a third to that mix is going to be more crazy. So we're, well, we're, we're hanging in. It's good. It- And you're on trend in so many ways, John, because the new normal in 2020 has been completely redefined. You've done that in your own house. And I tell you what, the new normal when it comes to standings in the NFC East, it is completely wacky this year. And it is hard to imagine that the Seahawks are playing a Giants team that is four and seven and still at the top of their division. Meanwhile, the Seahawks win on Monday night in Philadelphia set them up nicely in the standings. What was significant about that win as far as how the standings are playing out? Can I just tell you, that was a hell of a segue, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you go from craziness to kids to the NFC NFC East standings. Wow, that was good. I was so impressed. I lost track of your question. So that win in the standings, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, look, I know that there's, you could argue whether a bye week is important, but I do think it is important to stay on top of the standings and there's a nice stretch of the schedule here to make up some ground too. Exactly. I mean, the buy, you know, you're going to need help at this point to get the buy because New Orleans is out ahead there. But even if you can't get that, winning the division is a big deal. It sets you up to be at home. It gives you the chance at hosting the championship game if there's an upset on the other side of the bracket. And we know that this NFC West is loaded. So every time you can gain ground and the Seahawks got a little help over the weekend with the Rams and Cardinals both losing, anytime you can capitalize on that, that's a big deal. And to your point, Look, no game is easy in the NFL. We've seen that over and over again. These teams all have talent. But if you do what you should these next few games, you can set yourself up really well for a couple of big NFC West matchups to close it out. You know, you mentioned the Saints and how far ahead they are and that the Seahawks would need some help. Look, I got to be honest, when you take a look at the common opponents that the Saints have to play still that are in line with the Seahawks, you know, they've got the Eagles on the schedule, which I realize when you look at the record, it doesn't look like Philadelphia would have a chance. But, John, coming off that Monday night game, look, that Eagles front four against a Drew Brees-less Saints, that's not a gimme for the Saints. A couple of these opponents that they have coming up, I do think without Drew Brees, there's a chance the Seahawks might sneak in there because of the Saints not being able to keep pace. Yeah, I mean, for sure. You got to at least uh, be hopeful for that. But, you you know, right now it's all about take care of your own business and – 
you know, let the cards fall where they may. But yeah, it's, you know, most importantly, they're in first place in their division right now and looking to build on that as they go forward. Well, as much as Seahawks fans are looking at this stretch of games and seeing that they don't have an opponent with a winning record and thinking, ah, there's some level of ease to this game. I think opponents are looking at the Seahawks and thinking this defense has some level of ease playing against it. But I do think that would be a mistake when you look at the numbers and when you consider what Pete Carroll said this week. You guys wouldn't have thought it. I wouldn't have thought that it w- w- might be possible to be a, a top 10 rushing group. You know, we're already, I don't know, we're, we're up in the top 10 numbers in, in terms of sacks and hits on the quarterbacks, and, and we've turned that thing around in a hurry. And uh, so, um, you know, it, we, we, ha- we definitely can feel the momentum of, of, of the shift happening, and, and it's what we've been waiting for. We all had to be patient because we all wanted to see it go, and, but uh, now it's time to keep proving it, you know, and, and because we did something last week doesn't mean anything, you know, unless we do it again. So uh, these guys are determined to, uh, to like you say, make that turn in a real positive way to add to this football team and to this season. I like the way Pete acknowledged that of, you know, no one really saw this coming and he was being honest. They probably didn't either. It wasn't that they didn't expect the defense to get better, but to go from having nine sacks in your first six games, you had that that loss in Arizona where on 48 pass attempts, you didn't even hit Kyler Murray to just how dramatically they flipped the script there. I, I think it's what 22 sacks in the last five games. You've got, you know, obviously Carlos Dunlap has been a big part of that. Not just what he's done, but he helps everybody. I think we've seen, you know, Puna Ford looks better. Jaron Reed looks better. Just across the board, that pass rush looks better when you add that elite defensive end talent to it. Jamal Adams coming back has played a big role as well. And, you know, on the back end, that group's starting to form some cohesion. So, look, this isn't the best defense in the NFL all of a sudden overnight. They're not shutting teams out. But they're trending the right direction for sure, and I think we're going to see them continue to get better. We talked about all the talent in training camp. Now we're seeing it start to, to play like it, and that's, to me, the difference of this Seahawks team being a, a really good team to being a championship-caliber team is if you have that defense humming the way it is. Well, and they allowed the fewest points all season long against Philadelphia, 250 total yards. But, John, there was a point in time in the first quarter where the Eagles were at minus yardage. And if you would have taken away that Hail Mary pass, it would have been 217 yards. So to me, when you take a look at that and what they did against Arizona – and that running defense that Pete mentioned, I would say to other teams and to fans around the league, go ahead and sleep on that defense and see what happens to you. Exactly. And it's, you know, the run defense has been good all year, but until three, four weeks ago, teams didn't feel like they had to run the ball because the, the pass defense was struggling so much. But you get that pass rush doing what's doing and you can't be as one dimensional against this team. Well, here is somebody that nobody is sleeping on in the NFL, and that would be DK Metcalf. We know that he had 177 yards on Monday Night Football. He has gone over 90 yards in eight games this year. And I actually, I have a big question around this, John, and it has nothing to do with his talent. I totally get it. Um, I have not seen The Mandalorian. I I have zero idea what the comparison was. I was kind of hoping that you had, like, I get it. It, It's some sort of superhero thing. So does that mean that we need to put that on our viewing list before Sunday? We're yeah, we're doing a bad job. If neither of us even know what Pete's talking about. I mean, I know of the show and it's star Wars related, but yeah, I don't, I don't know the comparison that well. I I hope he wasn't just saying it because it's, you know, starts with an M. I hope he had a more reason behind it than just that, but (laughs) 
I don't know. I think that Pete Carroll has more than that. But what does it say that Pete Carroll has time to watch this and has watched this and we have not? Clearly, hey, we're just, behind on pop culture or our scheduling or something. I, we just had a baby in my house. What's your excuse? <laughs> Great. You, you don't have kids, Thanks, you John. Have time to watch TV. Thanks, John. I'm currently watching other things, but I guess we'll move the Mandalorian up on the list. Fine. Okay. Well, DK made that offense go, but look, there was points in time in that first quarter in particular that the offense looked disjointed. So the the Seahawks have the opening drive. They fail to convert on fourth down, so they get no points out of it. Here's what confused me about the first quarter and the first half. On the opening drive, they marched down. There was a nice mix of run and pass. Chris Carson got involved. Carlos Hyde got involved. And then after that, it just felt like it didn't fit together very well. Was I imagining that? What was going on there, do you think? Yeah, it, it wasn't as, as crisp as we've seen this offense look. And I think a lot of that credit goes to the Eagles. That's a really good front. This defense, for whatever reason, has been pretty solid against the I mean, you go back to the two wins last year and the Seahawks were kind of in control both those games because of their defense, but they only scored 17 points both times needed that big flea flicker in the regular season game and then some big plays of DK Metcalf in the playoffs. So it kind of continued that script. And I think you just got to give some credit to that defense and that front in particular being disruptive. I will say Chris Carson was pretty limited in this game. I think they're trying to kind of ease him in and we saw, you know, no knock on Carlos Hyde. He's a good player, but it just looks different with Chris Carson in there. And if they start getting him more involved in the next couple of weeks, I, I think that'll make a big difference for this offense. Pete Carroll did say that Chris Carson was pretty sore after that game on Monday night. So yeah, I I do think he was on a little bit of a pitch count as he gets worked into a full workload for the rest of the season. While we can give credit to a lot of different individuals on the Seahawks, Pete Carroll also wants to make sure that there is some credit going to the special teams. John, this is this is as consistent as we've been. We're, the kicking has just been phenomenal. You know, Mike Mike's averaging forty nine something. You know, and forty four something. In the Nets, uh, he's only had four touchbacks in, during the season. He's having a great year, and the placement has been exquisite. But I, I love the consistency of our coverage groups. Um, they've just been making plays week in and week out. It's a really, really good group, and it's a championship part of, of, of a club that we, we need to come together and match their consistency, and, and then we'll be doing pretty good on, on, on offense and defense. So it's a really, really positive part of our team. Yeah, the, the special teams talk started because of Jason Myers, who's having a great year. He hasn't missed a kick since sometime last season. He's at 26 in a row. But but as Pete Carroll was talking about there, it's it's across the board. It's, you know, obviously we know how good Michael Dixon is, but it's, What's really impressed me is just the coverage, just everything's been clean. They didn't have a penalty till week seven. They have three total enforced against them in 11 games. And, you know, when I talk, when I look at the coverage, it, I know that they're doing a good job because when you see a guy field the ball at the one or two yard line, or even a couple yards deep and bring it out, you kind of get happy. You're like, yeah, do it. Cause you, you know, the way they're covering kicks with all those guys, it's become a big part of their success this year. I went and found it. They're getting five yards, 5.1 yards of field position per drive better than their opponents. And, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but that adds up over the course of a season when you're constantly starting drives just a little bit better than your opponent. And it's, it's been, as Pete Carroll said, it's probably their most consistent element and it's a big part of their success.
And as a result, Nick Ballore is getting national attention. Tell me if you had that on your bingo card before the season started. I mean, if if you're going to have a special teamer in the Pro Bowl, you, you could you could do a lot worse than him. He's got 12 tackles leading the team, uh, currently sporting a glorious mustache, as he tweeted out, uh, with some great Photoshop skills, putting himself in a photo with the other specialists. But yeah, it's you, you wouldn't have thought it coming in that Nick Ballore would be, be trending on Twitter, but maybe we're heading that way. Well, you also wouldn't have thought as we switch over to this week's matchup against the Giants, like we mentioned, that four and seven would be enough to lead a division. But I would caution folks against just looking at that record and thinking that this is a give me game. And John, we already touched on this. There's talent on the Giants roster. Now, they might have an injury at quarterback this week but they can run the ball and they have one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So how do you just evaluate the giants overall? I mean, you just said it. you can't overlook anybody on paper. The Seahawks are the better team. They should, especially at home, you should win that game, but there are ways they can hurt you. They've got a good run defense. So they're going to make it hard on you there. They've, they've got talent running the ball. They've got talent on the back end of their secondary. So again, you don't want to sleep on anybody. They're a team that, even though their record's not great, is playing for everything right now. They're playing for a home playoff game, and teams get motivated by that no matter what their record is. So, yeah, it's, I think you're going to be challenged no matter who you're playing in this league. I think Pete Carroll agrees with you because this is what he has seen from the Giants. They're really solid. They're really uh, physical up front. They play the run really well. Uh, very disciplined. You know, Blake Martinez is a, is a terrific leader for him. You know, he he's, he really directs the show it seems, and uh, over 100 tackles, he's everywhere. He's all over the place. And they're real big and solid up front, where, where it all begins. Um, they're a good group. And this you can see why these guys are winning now. It's, it, there's the the formula is there. They're running the football. They're playing good defense. They're tough on special teams. Uh, all of that. Good kicker. You know, they've they've got all the elements, and I can see why why they're they're getting hot. We we got our hands full with these guys. Cairo Radio and 710 ESPN Seattle, your home for the Seattle Seahawks. And don't miss Pete Carroll on 710 ESPN Seattle at 930 when he joins Danny and Gallant the morning after every game. Right there, Pete Carroll hit on one of the keys of the Giants' success, and that is their ability to run the ball. They have gone over 100 yards in each of their last six games. But, John, this is going up against a Seahawks defense that is, as we pointed out, one of the best in the league at stopping the run. Yeah, I mean, that's Pete Carroll has talked forever about for him, defense starts with don't give up big plays and stop the run. And they've, you know, they, for a while this season, they were only doing half of that. And now they're getting better at the whole equation. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it plays to the Seahawks strengths. If you have a team coming in, hoping to establish the run, hoping to kind of take the burden off their quarterback, especially if Jones can't go. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a good running attack, but I like the Seahawks chances of slowing anybody down if Daniel Jones is not able to play the Giants will turn to Colt McCoy who is 11 year veteran and uh, it might seem like it would be difficult to prepare for two quarterbacks but it kind of just is what it is when you listen to Pete 
The media asks that question a lot, you know, and, and so rarely are the quarterbacks drastically different from one another, you know. And so, uh, like, we had the same discussion last week, you know, playing Philadelphia, and, and uh, the offenses can really only do what they do pretty much, you know. Now, we're, wa we're witnessing a, a really good example in New Orleans, you know, what's going on with their guys, and they're doing a marvelous job of it. But for the most part, if the quarterbacks kind of fit the same kind of makeup, uh, even though, uh, you know, Colt isn't six five, you know, or whatever. You know, he's 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 still a guy that kind of plays within the system. Uh, he's a, a good, accurate thrower. Um, he can move around and run a little bit. So we we expect to see basically the same stuff. And then from there, we have to be ready to adapt. I think one of the things the Giants have had to adapt to, John, is the offensive line and the fact that they have a rookie at left tackle who gave up an awful lot of pressures through the first seven weeks of the season. He's gotten a lot better in the last four, and the Giants are coming off a game in which the quarterback was only pressured a handful of times. But I think when you start talking about who's at quarterback, you also have to talk about how does that offensive line respond? And when the defensive front is playing as well as they are for the Seahawks, I like that matchup and I like their chances. Exactly. I mean, we, we were talking about it earlier, but when all of a sudden you have a pass rush like this where, look, you're not going to get six sacks every week like last week, but if you can get that constant pressure and maybe get three or four sacks, that makes life really hard on the backup quarterback who's coming in without much experience trying to get the job done. So I think if we see the Seahawks defense just kind of continue what they've been doing for the last really two and a half games going to the second half of the, the Rams loss, I think the Seahawks defense could be in good shape. Well, and I want to give a couple of shout outs on the Seahawks defense. You know, Ken Norton has done a tremendous job in making sure that the communication is there, that the turnaround has happened, as we heard Pete Carroll say. And Trey Flowers has really yeah. come along in the last couple of weeks. And I think that that has flown under the radar. And I think he took a lot of heat from people. And now he is getting the praise that he deserves. Trey has been doing well. He's he's been he's been way more consistent than he was earlier in the year, and and uh, his confidence is really in a good place. So he's you know as you hope you see guys get better during the season. We're gonna see uh, how he is. He's got a hamstring that's bothering him a little bit coming out of the game. We'll see how he how he looks today. As Pete just said, they're they're gonna have to monitor hamstring, which you hope is okay because to your point, he's really come along. He's a guy that fans were a little hard on uh, really over the last couple of years, but earlier this year when he was not playing poorly, but not playing as well as he is now, but he's, he's been really good. You look at a lot of those advanced metrics, the, the pro football focus types analytics, and he's grading out very favorably is a, not just playing well, but you know, playing in the upper echelon of cornerbacks. So if you can get that out of him on the other side of Shaquille Griffin, that, that helps your defense tremendously. Well, and Quentin Dunbar is close to returning. So that will be another option in the mix. And the Seahawks have brought DJ Reed along. So that's another option if Trey Flowers can't go this week as Dunbar is not available to join the team for another week. We are almost done for this week. But John, we need to get the two things that have to happen on Sunday for the Seahawks to come away with a win and improve to 6-0 and at Lumen Field. What do you got for me? Well, first off, I want to see this pass rush continue. I, you know, it's been such a huge part of their defensive turnaround. So give me three more sacks. I'll take more if you want to, if you want to do it. But I think three is a good number. Secondly, just take care of the football. The, the Seahawks, the, in the three games they've lost this year, they turned it over 10 times. 
in games they've turned it over one or zero times, they're eight now. So just be smart with the football. Don't make mistakes, as we've talked about. You know, the Seahawks appear to be the better team, the more talented team. Don't make it easy on your opponent and just be smart. I'm going to go completely obvious on this one for mine. I'm going to say Seahawks over 100 yards rushing. I'd like to see Chris Carson get a few more touches and get worked into that. And I'm going to say Seahawks defense holding the Giants to less than 100 yards rushing. All about the run game, Jen. I'm all about the run game this week, John. And I think that if the Seahawks followed the plan that we just laid out, they will, in fact, come away with a win and extend their lead and the NFC West standings. But, of course, we won't know that until we join you next time on a new edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. 